Tribune Audio Network. This is the Tribune Audio Network. Hi, I'm Cheryl Lee Ralph, and this is Diva Defined. Well, welcome back to Diva Defined. I'm Cheryl Lee Ralph, and I had to search for someone very special for you, because you know, everything we do here at Diva Defined is for you. We are divinely inspired, victoriously what? Alive. And some of you, I need you to stay alive a bit healthier. So I have gone in search of America's favorite nurse, and I found her. Didn't we, producer Elise? Didn't we find her? That's right. Yes, we did. And she is Nurse Alice. So Nurse Alice, you're going to see her in weeks to come. And she's going to be answering some questions. And we're going to be talking about some topics. Shut up, dog. And it's going to be a wonderful, informative time. You know, dogs, they say, are supposed to add to your life, you know, to calm you down. But that one right there, mm. Mm -mm. He's all of maybe 10 pounds and he thinks he's a guard dog, but it works. It really does. But back to Nurse Alice. Now, Nurse Alice, girl, I love that red. That red is popping. You know, I know why I love red. So do you love red? I do. But why do you love red? Because it symbolizes the heart to me. You know what? That's very similar to me. And it's also my sorority colors, but it all works. Yeah. You know, ha ha. So something happened this week to a friend of mine. They came down with pneumonia. Now they felt like they were having a heart attack and they felt that it was going to pass and it didn't pass. And they spent the night waiting for it to pass before they went to the hospital. Why do people do things like wait when they know something's bad? Why? You know, There really is no good reason for why people wait other than, oh, it'll pass, I'll be okay, or it's not serious enough Mm. to go and get medical help. And as an emergency room nurse, I see it all the time. People wait, 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 then boom, they're on their last leg, they want to come in. And the truth is, had you come in a little bit sooner or seen your healthcare provider when it was a small little cough, something that was just you know, slightly bothering you, we wouldn't be in the boat that we're in now because now you're here, you got to admit you to the hospital, you need IV antibiotics, and a lot of these things can be prevented with simple treatment. So many things are preventable. So many things if people just took action for themselves. You know, I say this all the time, your health is your greatest wealth, and most people don't pay attention to it until it's gone, which really, really upsets me. So pneumonia, a lot of people don't know what pneumonia is. I was sitting at breakfast with somebody, and they said, well, what is pneumonia, and why do people die from it? Because when you hear of walking pneumonia, you hear of double pneumonia, you hear of pneumonia. Can you just share and tell people what is pneumonia and why you can die from it? Right. So pneumonia is an infection in the lungs. Basically, there's a bacteria. Sometimes it can be viral, but it finds its way to the lungs, and it causes symptoms. It causes inflammation. Uh, mucus to build up in your lungs, you have a little bit of a cough, you might have some aches and pains, a little bit of a low-grade fever, Mm -hmm. but you feel like, oh, it might just be a cold, not to worry about it. And I've had pneumonia, walking pneumonia. I've literally was, you know, going throughout my day thinking, oh, it's a cold, it'll pass, it'll pass. But the truth is, once you have a cold or cold-like symptoms, Mm -hmm. if you're teeter-tottering, you know, day seven, day 10, 
by that point, if, even if it started as a cold, it's become bacterial, you need to come in, you need antibiotics, you need to be treated. Now, people don't know this, they think, oh, you know, I'm gonna do something else, I'm busy with work, but you need to take care of yourself because people can die from pneumonia. They do die from pneumonia. They, they yeah. do die from pneumonia, yes. and this is an infection in your lungs. You need to breathe. Now, if you have any problems with breathing, it's gonna affect everything else that's going on in your body. So you need to come in, you know, whether it's go to your healthcare provider, go to urgent care, go to the emergency room, go somewhere. Right. People will use, oh, I don't have insurance or the copay as an excuse, but your life is priceless. It sure is. So you really need to get in and be seen. And don't worry about, you know, going in and being told, oh, it's just a cold. Maybe it is just a cold, but your life is very important. You need to get in and at least be seen and have the reassurance that, okay, you know what, maybe it is just a cold, no big whoop. But if it is pneumonia, there's treatment for you. Right. So get in. And one of the things that people have to really learn is you have to be your own best advocate. You have to speak up for yourself. If we walk around with these phones, these iPads, mm -hmm. these computers, there's a thing called Google. If you've got these symptoms, you can Google it and get some information about what's going on with you. I'm not saying that you're going to be your own doctor, but at least get some information about what you think is going on for you. Now, you just mentioned about go in and get the care. What about those people who go in for care and get misdiagnosed, like young Kim Porter, who literally just dropped dead yeah. the other day? She, I believe, dropped dead of a heart attack but she might have also had pneumonia. You know, none of this I know for sure. Do you know how you learn things on Instagram? <laughs> right. So I'm just repeating what I heard, but I do know one thing for sure. She is no longer on this yeah. earth with us because she was misdiagnosed. How does that happen and why does it happen so much with black females? Well, this is the thing with misdiagnosis. When you come in, you'll say, I have, you know, these type of symptoms. The healthcare provider is going to say, well, it could be this or it could be that. We don't know definitely until we've run some tests right. and get results back and based on your symptoms. But sometimes people miss the mark. They do misdiagnose you mm -hmm. or they don't emphasize how important your diagnosis is. So oh. in the case of pneumonia, okay, you come in, you get treated for pneumonia, get medication, you're on your way. Now that pneumonia, sometimes those medications aren't the right medications for you or it develops into something else. The infection gets worse, the infection spreads. We can't see you once you leave our hospital and our emergency room, so that's why you have to be an advocate for yourself. Right. You know, if you're not getting better with the treatment you've been given, if you don't feel good about it, if you have a gut feeling that something's, something's not, not right, right, take that little voice and don't ignore it. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. And then that's when, you know, we find out someone woke up dead at home because you know, they, no, they didn't I go love back. the way you said they woke up dead at home. No, they were seen dead at home. They were they dead were at found home. Dead at home. Exactly. Or they just dropped dead at home. Right. That happens a lot too. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, it's unfortunate. It's really mm -hmm. unfortunate. And I'll say this healthcare providers, it's never our intentions to, you know, for these bad things to happen. But sometimes, you know, science and this medication, it's not perfect. That's right. We right. like to believe it is. So that's why it's real important. You mentioned earlier about being informed. God and Google. God and Google, mm -hmm. that's what you need. So I love it when people come in, they're informed consumers, and they might mention something. And I've had this happen where people will mention things where well, I found this on the internet, and they were right on the money. Right. They were right on the money. Now, some of us, listen, not everything <laughs> is going to be right on the internet. But A for effort with trying to get out there and at least educate yourself, be an informed consumer because doctors and nurses, we work for you. Thank you. Did you hear that? The doctors, 
the nurses, the hospital, they're working for you. You and your insurance are paying the bill. Don't forget that. People go into the office and they get intimidated. Right, and even if you don't have insurance, so let me shout that out because we, have, we still have lots of Americans out there who don't have insurance. They can't afford it. They've been cut off or they've aged off of their parents' insurance. Doesn't matter. People need to know that you can still come to the emergency room. We won't turn you away. Legally, we can't turn you away. But people get worried about, I'm gonna go to the emergency room, I'm gonna get turned away, or I'm not going to get care. Um, and that's just not the case. We're going to treat you. Now, is there a bill afterwards? There yes. may be, but at least you'll be alive to pay the bill. How about that? There you go. And you know, your life, like you say, is absolutely priceless. And I think how wonderful it is that we can be here in these United States. And you said something very important. We're not gonna turn you away if you need care. There are definitely countries and places in the world where you don't have any money, you don't have any insurance, they are turning you what? Away. away. And I have been places where I've seen it happen. I heard this big crash. I heard this woman screaming. Uh. I saw the taxi man pushing the taxi into the hospital yard. I saw this with my own eyes. The woman did not have any money. The taxi man who hit her did not have any money. Do you know what the hospital did? They said, I'm sorry, but we cannot take care of you. I saw that happen. So when you think that here we are, as much as we fight mm. over health insurance, as much as we are fighting over health care, knowing that we all need it, there are definitely places where you will die from lack of care. Absolutely. So talking about lack of care, what is the number one growing disease in America? I think I know. Does it start with a D? Is it diabetes? No. Oh, it's not. What, what is diabetes does con can contribute to is cardiovascular disease. Heart disease. Heart disease All definitely right. is the number one killer of everyone. That's right. And especially women of color. Yeah. So it's definitely something that we need to keep our eye on. I know we talk about it, you know, heart disease and, mm -hmm. you know, the medications and treatments. Well, we know that it's out there, but I really need to empower women to actually do something with the information. It's one thing to be informed, but then to actually take the steps and incorporate those things into our lives. Right. We don't, I don't see enough women do that. And I, sometimes I think, what is it going to take to inspire us to put ourselves first? What is it going to take for women and other people, period, to value themselves enough to look in the mirror and say, that person really matters to me. Because there are certain things that we know. Heart disease is not just a heart attack. Right, no, it's not. Your heart is literally a muscle. And I believe, Nurse Alice, mm -hmm. America's favorite nurse, that when that muscle is weakened by things like high blood pressure, untreated mm -hmm. high blood pressure, which is a silent killer. Yes. When it is weakened by diabetes, yes. when it is weakened by obesity, when all of these things come together, they affect this heart. Absolutely. Honorary nurse today. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but all of these things, high blood pressure, diabetes, being overweight, and especially women of color, we have genetic things yes. that put us at higher mm -hmm. risk. And even the way that we're raised um, socioeconomically, 
many people are in, in communities that have food deserts. So you're not eat, you don't have access. Please tell them what a food desert is. A food desert is when you live in a location where you don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables. Where there is no supermarket. Yes. Right. Where sometimes the, the only place you're getting that food is the corner store or the little bodega mm -hmm. there that used to be a liquor store, probably is still a liquor store, just passing it with a few snacks. Yeah. You know, where you can get yes. that that little shot glass <laughs> through the through the gate there. You know, that's the supermarket. So in these places where there is no access to a great supermarket, that's called a food desert. Yep. And it seems as though over the years that some supermarkets, supermarket chains, supermarket groups have found it easy to not feed certain people, to just Absolutely. not open their supermarkets in these neighborhoods. But back to what you're saying, when you grow up in a neighborhood where you've been in a food desert, what can happen? You're going to be missing important nutrients, um, healthy foods that are going to help you to be healthy. That's right. Because the thing is, the dollar, the dollar menu at your favorite fast food restaurant, sometimes it's easier to buy something off the dollar menu right. than it is to go to a grocery store to buy fresh fruits or vegetables. And so, you know, in a world of survival, when you're just trying to make it, you know, people will opt for the fast food versus right. the fruits and vegetables. And we have to shift our thinking. You have to make that investment. Besides, saving that one, that $1 is not going to make or break you. Hopefully it's not really right. But there are some folks and some families where that dollar yeah. is a make or break it. And they are literally feeding their children Cheetos and Coca-Cola for breakfast. And I see it. And you know, I, when I drop my kids off in the morning, mm -hmm. I see kids and kids of color, yes. or actually even all kinds of people, but they're eating Cheetos, drinking sodas, big gulps in the morning on their way to work. And all of those things, when, when kids, when that starts young, thank you, in, in our children, they develop heart disease, um, high blood pressure, diabetes, Silently, overweight. quietly. And as, mm -hmm. as young people, and it was never really meant for them to have these things. So they're living longer lives with these disease processes. So they're sicker earlier on in life. And just to get away from that, what people really need to know is they need to eat, make healthier food choices. And you can, you can, you can do it. You can design on a dime. Like, for example, I tell people, if you have a can of corn, okay, people say, oh, there's preservatives in the can of corn. Right. Just take that can of corn and rinse it under some water. So oh. there's simple things, little hacks you can do to try you to know, eat I never healthier. thought about that. <laughs> yes. Because I don't eat anything out of a can, but it never dawned on me. Yes. Open up the can and rinse off the food. It mm. never dawned on me. Wow. Mm. But even outside of that, so what we eat, right, what we're putting in our bodies, but then exercising. We don't exercise enough. Mm. People will say that they don't have time don't to have exercise. Hands. Listen, while you're doing your hair or yes. putting your makeup on, get a couple squats in. That's um, right. Right. And Before you even wake up, I used to do this thing called bed aerobics. I would be <laughs> in the bed lazy as I want to be. And I said, okay, let me just do a few knee bends. You know, yeah. touch your knee to your chest and then you do the bicycle while you're laying right there on your back, you know? <laughs> and that stuff really, really works. Do a few sit-ups before you get up. Yeah. That stuff really, really works. But you can't have too many springs in your bed because that's, <laughs> you know, you go up and down, up and down while you're doing all of that. That yeah. only helps in other situations, but we'll talk about that another time. But go ahead, Nurse Alice, but come on. So, but the recommendation is exercise 30 minutes a day, most days of the week. But wait a minute. I'm sorry. When we hear 30 minutes a day, I need to work out and exercise. I'm tired already and I haven't done anything. But Cheryl, <laughs> you can get up 10 minutes earlier, do 10 minutes at lunchtime, 10 minutes before you go to bed. 
So you can break up that time. You don't have to do it at one, all in one time. This Just is break like it up. thinking what you think you thought. Yes. Right. As soon as you say 30 minutes to me, I'm thinking I have to stop and give you 30 minutes right away. And you're like, no, 10 minutes here, five minutes here, another 10 minutes here, 15 yes. minutes there. It all adds up. I love that. Yes. But then people need to know, like, when you say exercise, what do they need to do? What are they, is it jumping jacks for your heart? Is it knee bends? See, like, I've got a bum knee. I start working out and my knee starts hurting and then I just give up. <laughs> so it's like. How do you figure out what do you need to do? Do you need to get a trainer? But then that's no, too expensive. It's expensive. So you, you can get a trainer if need be, if you want to, and you have the finances. But literally, whatever you enjoy doing, whether that's oh. dancing, whether it's, you, if you have a bad knee, get into the pool. Do some, you know. No, then I'm going to get my hair wet. Ah, and okay, my remind me, we got to talk about hair because that's the number one reason black women don't exercise. <laughs> now let me tell you something. My hair is going to go back. Right. Yes, just but be natural. Okay. okay, you can hula hoop. You know, turn on the music. Just dance. Something that's just gonna get your heart rate up. Maybe a few beads of sweat, but just yes. get your heart rate up a little bit and just move. Like Michelle Obama, remember her move, "Let's Move" campaign. Yes. yes. Put on your favorite Beyonce song and just dance. Ooh, I love oh, that. I, I love, love Beyonce. Beyonce. <laughs> Me too. Okay, is this exercise? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, doing some of her dance routines that'll work you out. Okay, because she hey. is tone, tone, <laughs> tone. Mm. I'm like, go ahead, girl. Did you just have a baby and twins yes. and you're looking like that? <laughs> Beyonce. Yes. So how do we know, though, what the good exercise is? Like, how do we know if we've got our heart pumping? How do we know if we've done enough? When we say just... My husband used to say to me, the only exercise that'll work is the one that you are willing to do. Mm -hmm. But how do we know that what that is? There really is no exact science to it. I mean, just get out there and move. So you know it when you maybe become a little bit winded, yeah. when you start dancing. Oh, and, so use that as your, your, okay. your metric. Okay, I feel a little bit winded. I yes. can feel a little few sweat beads coming on. Yeah. And that's enough. I mean, you can sit there and count your pulse and try to get your heart rate up. And that's one thing. But if you might say, you know, Nurse Alice, I, don't, I can't find my pulse. I don't know. You have one. You just can't find it. Right. But just as long as you feel like, okay, I'm a little winded. Maybe I'm getting a little hot. Yeah. A couple of beads of sweat. That's enough. Mm -hmm. That's really enough. Mm. Okay. So now we know you got to exercise. You got 30 minutes a day. You can break it up and you can do whatever you want to do. You do not have to pay the money to go to the club, but you might want to go to the club. Who knows? You might meet somebody you in, the club. in the and club. You and you can lose weight in the club. Yes, you can. So, okay, the next thing, after we get out there, we start to exercise. That exercising is going to help us lose weight. I've heard some doctors say that when it comes to heart disease, when it comes to diabetes, when it comes to high blood pressure, if you will pay attention to your weight and commit to losing right away 10 pounds, you can sometimes help yourself right away. How does that work? Absolutely. So the body is very resilient and it has to work really hard. So when you lose this weight, let's say you lose 10 pounds, oh, let's say five. Okay? okay, let's keep it. I love let's that. keep it uh, manageable easy. and reasonable. Yes. So losing five pounds can vastly improve your blood pressure. As you lose weight, your blood pressure will go down a little bit. Your blood sugar is better managed. I mean, so just that one activity to get the weight down can lead to all of these health benefits. And I think we under we don't really emphasize how good that really is. It makes a huge difference. So I'll use my mother for example. My mother lost weight. 
Uh, and you know, she was overweight, but I was able to help her. We lost some weight, her blood pressure went down. She was able to uh, decrease some of the medications she's on, her diabetes. She was able to come off of certain medications because yes. that activity and eating mm -hmm. healthier yes. may, there's like a, a chain reaction in what it does to your body. So it, it does a lot of wonders. And then, I mean, there are even benefits beyond that. It can decrease your risk of having, getting cancer. I mean, mm -hmm. then you feel better about yourself. So, you know, a, there's a lot of stigma with being overweight, mental health issues. You feel depressed because yeah, you're overweight yeah. and all of these things. Your skin clears up when you lose this weight. <laughs> oh, your edges are coming back, baby. Yes. yes. All of these things, your hair, your nails. I mean, losing a little bit of weight goes a long way when it comes to being healthy. You know, it's it's so interesting because we, we, we talk about, okay, heart disease, and you say diabetes, high blood pressure. It seems like there are so, it's so connected. And when you find, when people, my mother passed away from heart disease. She had untreated high blood pressure. So all of the time she was having those mig migraines, it was really her blood pressure spiking. The diabetes it was, oh my God. Then all of those things together, it led to little TMIs, you know, those little strokes, you know, and sometimes those little strokes can be like a big event, especially when my mother would say that she'd be sitting there and, you know, everybody's going around doing their thing. And all of a sudden she is not speaking. And wow. we're like, whoa, she was having a stroke. And it was like, how do we help people get around these things? Because everybody says to me now, you know, they're having Christmas with their mother. I am so jealous. I want everybody to have more Christmases, more New Year's, more Easter's, more birthdays with their mothers. How are we going to help them with this conversation we're having today? So just as you lost your mother, I lost my father to heart disease. So I'm not only am I a nurse and I do this, but I'm, you know, really inspired from my dad's story. And so, but when it comes to high blood pressure and diabetes, they are, they're, they're, they both put you at risk for having a heart attack and a stroke. And you you, you said TMI, but I know uh, TIA, trans- TIA. TIA. So these are, those are the mini strokes. So they look like a stroke, but the symptoms resolve within 24 hours. So that diabetes, that high blood pressure, they put you at risk for these things. And the one way to prevent these things from happening is to manage the blood pressure and the blood sugar. So we, you know, and it, it's hard sometimes because people, we don't prioritize our health. We don't prioritize our eating, our exercise, stress, That's all right. of these things. And then some of us have, you know, sometimes you have a little much to, to drink or maybe you have a sweet tooth that really you indulge in things. Mm -hmm, but you mm -hmm. the core of it is managing your blood pressure and managing your blood sugar. So those will decrease your risk of having a heart attack or a stroke. Um, and oftentimes it's not till you're personally touched by one of these stories do you really understand the importance of it. So I know like with my dad, I treat everyone in the hospital as if it could be my dad, could be my mother. Which is such a blessing when you find yes. a caregiver, a, a nurse, a doctor that has that sort of, of mentality. Because a lot of times you'll go into the hospital and people are just doing their job. They're not caring for you. They're just doing their job. So I, I applaud you for that. I'm sorry. But oh, no, ahead. no. That means a lot. And you know what? Thank you. And I don't do it because of recognition or anything. It's because I literally 
don't want anyone to experience what it is that we experienced with my dad. We had health care insurance, you know, uh, we, we ate healthy exercise, but my dad, you know, had, there's a significant family history of heart disease and stroke in the family. And my dad had both of those. He had, and so it was hard, it's hard to watch. And I'm telling this so people don't have to wait till they're personally right. touched. Please just take the time to be a little more cognizant of what you're eating. Yes. Exercise a little bit more. And I think we need to have some family discussions about, and you know, hold each other accountable because it's hard to kind of yeah. make these behavior changes. Ooh. And especially like, let's use the holidays, for example. We celebrate around food, you know. Yes. Yes. And the kind of food that and we And the eat. kind of food. It's rich and flavorful. That's right. And it's usually been in the family for 20 years, so don't you dare change that mac and cheese recipe. I okay. get it. But you know, we could, there are little hacks and things that we can do to make our foods a little bit healthier. Like instead of whole milk, use, you know, 1% milk. Um, you know, exercise as a group. Or exercise don't drink milk at all. Or don't drink right. milk at all. That's Get over that dairy. Right. And so, and, and I tell that to people, and, but people say, oh, it's so hard to make these changes because they're so accustomed mm -hmm. to it. But I think if we can, like what we're doing now, having this girl talk yes. about you know, what we can do and doing it together. Having a support group goes a long way when it comes to changing your behavior, when it comes to eating healthier, exercising, um, and just talking about these about these things. And, you know, some of the times we, we you, you keep talking about food and the things we eat and how difficult it is and how hard it is. It's only that way if you think it is that way. Right. Mental. Mindset is everything. Yes. You got to claim it. Just claim it. That's Put it, it out in the universe. You, you have to want better. And when you want better, you're going to try and do better. And when you get the information that we're trying to share with you today, because people are so slow to realize that you really matter, that you're really important, and without you, everything will change for somebody or a group of people. That's really how important you singularly are. Everything will change when you are gone. You know, my mother's gone now and everything has changed because she's not there. Now, mind you, we all know we all have to go at some time because we're not going to live forever. Okay, I'm going to live forever. Thank you. What's that song? <laughs> I'm going to live forever. Yes. yes. But for those of you who are not, you got to do some things for yourself. When they talk about drinking water, Water really yes. works and water really helps for your system. And not to make this a difficult conversation, but you got to go to the bathroom. It's like you got to go to the bathroom every day. There are some people out there that say, oh, no, I only go to the bathroom once a week. That's, That's not, not good. You got to go to the bathroom. You, you definitely want to have a, a regular uh, bowel and bladder routine for yourself. And to, to, to bring it back to your water piece, I think if more people drank water, and sometimes you just have to jazz it up. Yes. Just jazz up your water. Put some fruits in there. Put some lemon in there. You know what I do? Instead of ice cubes, I'll freeze grapes, and I put them in my water. Oh, God, I love her. My, my, my kids love it. That's how I, I get them. I love that. But doing little things, because when you drink that water, it actually substitutes. So no longer do you have the space to drink uh, a fruit drink, a fruit punch, or those, you know, those sugary drinks. Mm -hmm. drinks. Yes, soda. With sugar that you don't right. need. And then if you also want to, if you really want to lose some weight, Try drinking water, a, gl a glass full of water, at least 15 to 20 minutes before you eat. Because it takes about that amount of time for your uh, stomach to, um, to send messages to your brain and to register, hey, I'm full. So drink water about 20 minutes before you're going to eat. Your body will start to feel full. So when it's time to sit and eat, 
you'll, you won't be able to consume as much because your body will be like, oh, I'm already kind of full. Hold on. Slow wow. down. Yes. And somebody told me that when, if you're trying to lose weight, you're trying to manage your weight, if you start to feel hungry, have a warm glass of water because once you put that in your stomach, your stomach sends the signal to the brain, oh, I'm, I'm a little bit okay. I don't need what I thought I needed. Right. And that's the thing. Sometimes we'll think we're hungry. We're really just thirsty. So just drink some water. And then if you drink the water and you feel like, you know what, I'm still a little hungry. Okay, we'll have a piece of fruit, have some fresh nuts. And that's another thing. People, when they're trying to lose weight, they go on these like binges like, I'm not going to eat anything. I'm going to starve. I'm just going to no. eat lettuce. And no, it's not just about eating like a bird. That's, that's right. not mm -hmm. what losing that's weight right. is about. You want to do it healthy. And when you go for these long periods of times without eating, the body actually thinks like, uh oh, hold on, Nurse Alice. Okay, I'm not getting any nutrients. I'm going to have to hold on to what I have. So it actually makes it more difficult for you to lose weight that way. So this is really, when I'm listening to you, this is all about balance. Yes. This is all about trying to find the balance in how you work your life, how you eat your food, how you guide yourself mentally, how you feed yourself, not with just food, but spiritually. How do you find that balance in your life to keep yourself moving forward? And that's hard for a lot of people. It is. It's, it's a work in progress every day. Some days you won't get it right. And some days you will be awesome. But the, the message really is to just try. You want to try to be your best and do your best every day. And, mm. you know, you with what you, whatever it is you have. And you I can't get that. mad at that. You can't get mad at that. As long as you are doing your best yeah. with the things that you have, You've done your job. And this is why you are America's Thank you. favorite nurse. So you heard that. It's about you. It's about you trying to do your best for you. And we're going to say it as many times as we can here on Diva Define. You matter. You're important. And we want you to embrace your health and your well-being. And, you know, we've been talking about the heart disease, the, you know, how strokes and untreated blood pressure. When the doctor prescribes your medication, can you do us a favor and take it? Can you take it the way the doctor prescribed it? Can you do your best at being your best for yourself and for me, because I want you to come back and listen to more Diva Defined. Yes. Uh, Nurse Alice, girl, you've got to come back because we want to talk about, come on, producer Elise, we want to talk with her about <laughs> maternal mortality. Yes. Yeah. What's the right diet for us? We've been talking about diet, exercise. What is right for us? Right. HIV, AIDS. Yes. Oh, I'm telling you, that is a disease that is 100% preventable. It does not have to happen, and it certainly doesn't happen, have to happen to you. But if it does, we want you to take that medication. What else do we want to talk about? Breast cancer. Breast cancer. Why are so many women? That, I believe breast cancer, let, let me try my test again. The number one cancer in America is breast cancer. Is that true? After skin cancer. After skin yeah. Mm. After skin cancer. Yes. Mm. Melanoma. Yes, those are the ones. Well, and don't think that just because you have some melanin that you are not gonna not in the line for possibly getting skin cancer, because it can happen to you. What else do we want to talk Eating about? Disorders. In the mm -hmm. Eating disorders. Eating disorders. Look. 
what we, that has sort of gotten non-sexy. We don't it, talk about eating disorders anymore. No, we need no. to. And we need to. We need to. We really do. Because that's yeah. that's serious. What else? A lot of what people else? are suffering from eating disorders and don't even know. Oh, I'm telling you. When I was young, oh, I had no idea. Woo! But I was very thin. <laughs> very unhealthy, but we didn't know back then. Did not know. But we've got lots of things that we want to talk with you. So you're going to have to come back to me. Of course. I love that. We have America's favorite nurse right here with us on Diva Define. And we are going to share the miracle of her with you. But hey, don't you go anymore because Diva will be back. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and I want to take a second to talk to you about your dreams. We all have them. For a lot of people, their dream is to come here to Hollywood in search of their big break. But that's often easier said than done. Every Hollywood hopeful has a story to tell, and you can hear these stories in... The Spoken Dreams Podcast. Bobby Gonzalez presents aspiring actors, musicians, filmmakers, and more, sharing candid tales of their triumphs, struggles, and everything in between, all in pursuit of their dreams. My family and friends are all in New Jersey. I had a relationship at the time. I was working consistently enough as an actor. I had it all set up. Why would you leave? But I just had this gut feeling. Because as much as I love New York and it's my home, I feel like New York looks at you and says, what have you done? And I feel like LA looks at you and says, what have you done? I know you're going to love this podcast. I do. It's called Spoken Dreams. Listen and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back. This is Diva Defined. We, when we talk about health and well-being and all of that, it's, isn't it crazy how we end up just doing what our family did? Mm-hmm. We just end up doing what our people be, did. I don't drink water because my mother didn't drink water, mm-hmm. so I don't drink water. She mm-hmm. said it tastes bad, and it does taste bad, so I don't drink water. Um, my, my mother is what? Uh, 30 pounds overweight, she's doing just fine. So I don't need to exercise. I don't need to work out. Well, you're not your mother. You. (laughs) You're not your mother. You are not your mother. And your mother should have been exercising too. But your mother doesn't want to exercise. Mm -mm. Okay, so with my mother, when my mother got really, really sick, I said, my mother's heart disease, my mother's diabetes, my mother's high blood pressure. The doctor looked at me and he said, your mother's 90. What, 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 what do you want to talk about? I said, but, but, he said, the but is, yeah, you would have liked her to do what you wanted her to do, but she's 90. Right. You should hope you make it to 90. He's right. You know? But He's right. anyway, when we talk about black women and black women's health, why does it seem to me, no, why is it that black women seem to be Dying first and fastest of every disease. They're dying fast mm-hmm. of breast cancer. They're dying fast of heart disease. They are dying fast being pregnant, having these children. Why? That is a loaded question. Okay, then. Yes. I need you to just tell me what you think. Yes. Well, no, I mean, there's a, 
lots of things that play into this. So part of it is how we were raised. Mm -hmm. so, uh, there are genetic things. Socioeconomics plays a role in this. Education. And part of it is our lifestyle and behaviors for today. So when you look at all of these things, it's almost like we're destined to lose. But that doesn't have to be the case. So it starts with you. It starts with being um, an informed individual about your health and your wellness. Now, what some people don't know when it comes to health care, and I'll say to get back to your question, is why are black women dying, having all these complications? Quite honestly, it's because we are not getting the care that we need and that we deserve. Bottom line. Mm. Now, there's lots of reasons why, but that's basically the bottom line. We're not getting the care and the attention. Uh, when we have symptoms, we're not taken as serious as some of our white counterparts. Um, and so, like, I'll take, for example, the issue with maternal mortality. Yes. You can take a professional, college-educated woman that has access to health care. Yes. She's still more likely to die from maternal complications than an uneducated, white, mm. poor white woman. Wow. Wow. So wait a minute, because I'm listening to you, and it sounds like, oh, God, that just makes me feel sad. So if you go in there sick and black and female, you're not being valued. And because you're not being valued, you're not getting the care that you deserve and that you need. So uh, unfortunately... That it sounds really bad, it's, but yeah, it really sounds really. But really at bad. At, at the very to be very basic with it, yes. But part of it is because there's so many stereotypes when it comes to to healthcare. Super health, black woman. <laughs> so healthcare providers, um, you know, well, some of them are biased, and they will look at some. They'll look at someone whether you're homeless, whether you're a person of color, and they've come to a conclusion or uh, their kind of best guess as to what brought you here, what's ca causing you oh, to feel this way. And, but they don't necessarily look at it as a bias. They look at it as, you know, they've read all these articles, they've read all this information, and they feel like they're coming to an, a conclusion sooner to get you treated faster. But the thing is, sometimes they miss the mark sometimes. They miss the mark. We really need to treat every patient regardless of color, regardless of race, regardless of any of those things, everyone individually, because no one ever gets sick by the book. No one ever gets yeah. sick by the book. And then when you, even when you're looking at the book, you read about heart disease, you read about diabetes, you read about cancers. But what happens when you have an individual that comes in that has all of those things, who doesn't have access to healthy foods, who hasn't been exercising? Like, there's too much, too many ingredients in the pot to just say, just jump to a quick conclusion like that. But when it comes to women of color, sometimes our complaints aren't taken as serious. And But that's not just, take black women, but even just women in general. We know this. There's a lot of research, and we talk about this a lot, about uh, male providers not necessarily listening to women, just all women, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when it comes to female care and other things like that. We just don't listen. They think they're having chest pain. Oh, it's just anxiety. Why is mm -hmm. it a woman has having anxiety, but a man, you jump straight to heart attack? So there's some gender differences already. There's some gender differences already. Yes. Then you add into their race mm -hmm. and other cultural things, yes. socioeconomic things. So if you come in and you look disheveled, you're someone who doesn't smell well, then you're a woman and you're a person of color. Like you can see how this, the picture can, the waters can get really muddy and people just are just jumping to conclusions 
incorrectly. Mm. So I know that's not what people want to hear, but the and it's hard to hear. That. It's hard yeah. to hear. It's hard to hear. But this is the thing: we can't fix a problem unless we address that there's that's a problem. Right. And it's not to say that you're a bad person because you've you know, treated patients like this in the past, part of it is they don't know what they don't know. So we need to bring it to the, you know, healthcare's attention that, hey, this is happening. Because I don't really believe that all of healthcare is aware of the inequity in yes. services that people are getting. And now, the inequity is real. It's very yeah. real. It's very real. And But the numbers don't lie. And let's be honest, th this is just a snapshot of numbers. So Really, you know, there are probably a lot of other things that are happening that we haven't even quite captured yet. So we really, you know, when it comes to healthcare, talking to your healthcare provider, being your own advocate, coming in informed. It sounds like a lot of responsibility for you. But you have to be right. responsible for yourself. Absolutely. Look, if you're not responsible for yourself, if you're not taking care of yourself, why in the world do you think anybody else is going to do it? What does a right. great drag queen say? If you can love yourself, how in the world is anybody else going to love you? Okay. You got to be responsible right. for yourself. The, the mistake I think people make is they entrust so much of themselves to someone else. Yes. Mm. Now, I know that, you know, doctors... And, and usually a stranger. And a stranger. Right. right. So, yes, they're, you know, they have trained nurses and doctors. They're trained and they, they have this body of knowledge. But nobody knows you better than you know yourself. Right. You know, and this is the thing, you also have to be truthful when you go to, the, to your right. health appointments. Because sometimes we're worried about um, disappointment, <laughs> judging, and being disappointed. Mm -hmm. Yes. Fess up. Tell the truth. I will tell my patients like this, like, look, no judgment, but just, you know, I need to know so I know how to take better care of you. Really. Wow. Because people will omit certain information. Right. And sometimes that little bit of information is the information I need to save your life. So you've got to be truthful. You have to be truthful. With your health practitioner. Right. So, but that comes along with trust. Right. You have to also trust who you're, who's taking care of you. And historically, especially people of color. Come on now. Right. So the guinea pigs. Yes. Oh, yeah, and so right. there's definitely some mistrust um, when it comes to the community and healthcare providers. What was that? What was that? Um, the Tuskegee. The Tuskegee. Yes. The Tuskegee experiment. Yes. That cost a lot of men their lives. And yeah. they were just, they were literally treated like lab rats. Some of them were infected. Was it syphilis? Syphilis. They were infected with syphilis. Others who had syphilis were denied treatment and they just kept them there like that to see what was going to happen. Then there was the woman who had the perfect cells. What is her name? The cancer cells of which every bit of cancer treatment is bit lax. What's her name? Henrietta Lacks, where her cells are still being used to this day, and nobody knew that it had come from this. Her own family didn't even know that they were still slicing off her cells to care everybody. So yeah, there's a lot of distrust, which is interesting, which is one of the reasons a lot of people did not want to go and get tested for HIV and AIDS because they felt that they were going to be experimented unbeknownst to them once again. So they did not trust enough to go and take the test to know their status. Right. And when you hear about these stories, when you know that these things really, really happen, it sort of makes you go, Hmm. It does. It does. And I'll say this because of things 
like Tuskegee, you know, there have definitely been some procedures, policies, laws put in place. That's so right. peop- this doesn't happen to people because it's uh, it was unethical, mm-hmm. completely unethical. Yeah. And never will you see a legit body of science or work done that just disregards someone's life. That just that just cannot happen. Mm-hmm. So but I know we hold that Tuskegee study dear to our heart because, you know, that happened to them. It could happen to me. So because that's true. It's true. It's true. But also, I'll say this. You're going to have to be open with talking to your healthcare provider and open to um, medications and treatments. But this is the thing. You talk to your provider about, okay, what is this? What's going on? What is What's happening? That way you're informed. Because what I don't want to see and what I do sometimes see is people bypass healthcare and don't go to the doctor at all. They don't take their medications. The so it's kind of like, yes, the Tuskegee study ha- that happened. Now here you are, you have this illness. So are you not going to get treatment because that happened in the past? Or can you be open to just dialoguing with your provider and informing yourself, right. arming yourself with information? Right. So that's where I think it needs to start. Now, do- we're not going to forget that Tuskegee happened, right. but we need to move forward open to the idea that, you know what, I probably do need this, this test to see if I have cancer or, you know, with, I should try these medications because if not, the end result would be, you know, unmanaged diabetes, which can lead to heart attack and stroke. So there's a, there's a level of, um, mistrust that's happened in the past, but I, we need to, we need to start somewhere. Yeah. We need to start somewhere. You know, it's interesting. I lost my dad to prostate cancer. And so now I'm, I'm always telling men, please go get that test. Please take that test because we need you to survive. We need you to be around us. And look, it is just a finger. It's just, it's just a finger. It is just a finger. Okay. Whatever it is you are feeling, please just go on and get the test and know your numbers. Yes. Sometimes we, as, as women, have to encourage our men, all of our men, to get the test. Because we need to know. We need you around. You know, and sometimes with, with they say that all men are going to die of prostate cancer at some point in their life because it's such a slow-growing cancer. And men are afraid of what can happen to them. They're afraid mm, of messing yes. with the junk that they got right there. But we're women. We have to get pap smears, and we have a lot more than a finger. Fun. No. And they put that metal clamp in you and open you up. It's I'm like, like oh, please. And it's so, and somehow you just feel so like, oh, my God, is this really happening to me? I know. And then they stick that swab up in you. Oh, my God. You almost go violate it. Like, oh, gosh, Lord. So. And then when you, what? Go ahead. Come on, nurse. Tell us something. So, so yeah. So, some of these screening tools and assessments that we need to do can be uncomfortable. But it's just a moment of just being uncomfortable. That's right. And it gives us a world of information to help better treat you. And I'll say this with men. Men hold their, their sexual health as top priorities. You know, and when it comes to prostate cancer, and, and I have a good friend whose father just went through um, treatment for yes. prostate cancer. The truth of the matter is, if a man lives long enough, he's going to get prostate cancer. See, but you have it. You don't the, have to die. But it is slow growing. But and usually, prostate cancer is not the cause of their death, but mm-hmm. perhaps 
uh, other complications from treatment. So or lack of treatment. That's right. Because in my father's case, he let it go so long yeah. that then that cancer metastasized. Oh, yeah. Meaning that one cancer turned into another cancer. It spread. It went from prostate cancer to his lymph nodes. And once it's in your lymph nodes, it can go just about anywhere. So, but, but men don't be afraid to uh, go on and get, to get that test. And then, and also, and let's be quite honest, and I see this a lot in the hospital, women are, I hate to say dragging, but dragging their partners right. or dragging their dads or their brothers or their uncles to these doctor's appointments saying, look, he hasn't been a doctor in 20 years. He's I not feeling well. I had to drag my dad. He's yeah. suffering from prostate cancer right now. Wow. But I had to drag my dad yeah. to the doctor and say, Dad, no, you're going to get tested. And luckily they caught it early. He's going through oh. treatment. See what I'm but, saying? They caught know, it early. And his Apparently. sister, his twin sister, called them twins, 11 months apart. His twin sister Irish just twins. lost her husband to prostate cancer. And we oh. saw him suffer. I'm like, Dad, you saw your brother-in-law suffer. Come on, it's hello. Ego. A lot of ego. A lot yeah. of it's ego, and it's a lot of it that we think that happened to them. It's not going to happen to me. Oh, yes, it will. Yes. Oh, yes, it can. Yes. And yes, it does. So once again, you got to, you have to somehow empower yourself to put yourself first to go out there and get treated. I'm so happy that my husband, my husband will take himself to the doctor good. in a heartbeat. That's a I'm good like, husband. Okay. He loves his wife. He, thank and you. Listen, and ladies. that's the thing. You have to know what your why is. So it's not just about just you, although, you know, it's affecting you, but you want to be here to watch your kids, that's right. you know, graduate from that's, high school, right. go to college, where, see your first grandbaby, that's right. you know, all of these things. So knowing what your why is, um, but Sometimes women, we, we have to, you know, we do a lot of things, and this is another thing, but, you know, encourage, inspire, drag your man, if you have to, right. to, to the doctor. My dad, <laughs> yeah. no, no lie, my dad was literally having a stroke, literally, wow. like paralyzed, like, like the sides all droopy, and he's like, Alice, I'm fine. I said, no, you're not. Oh, my I said, God. And then he was like, don't call 911. Don't, he's like, I'm fine, it'll pass. So me and my mom literally, because he was weakened on the one side, we got him into the car. I'm literally driving to the hospital, you know, full speed. Yes. Officer pulls me on the side, trying to pull me over. I was like, he's having a stroke. And then he, the officer was kind enough to give wow. me a, uh, an That's escort great. to the hospital. Oh, we're going the wrong way God. of traffic. Wow. But I say that to say, how powerful is that? My dad was literally wow. having a stroke, was in the hospital for about a week yes. afterwards, but didn't want to go. Well, you know, and that's, I'm glad you brought up stroke because we cannot say this enough. You've got to learn F-A-S-T. Yes. Yes. Face. Yep. Yes. Arm. Speech. Time to call 911. When that face, sometimes you get that feeling. You know, you get, what is it? It That tingle. You can have a tingly feeling. Um, Sometimes... Uh, you know, there's this kind of that drooping, your eyes uh, won't open. Or, yes. Mm. But sometimes the person doesn't even feel it themselves. So if you see someone who's having these, just, you know, just like, oh my gosh, that's a stroke. Because time yeah. is tissue. You want to get that person to Absolutely. the right hospital at the right time because there's treatment for that. Yeah. Right. 
and the thing about it is, is you also have to be able to, sometimes you have to be blessed enough or fortunate enough to be in a place where you've got the kind of hospital that can take care right. of that stroke because not everybody has that. You know, it's, it's wonderful that you can be in a big city where those hospitals are, because some, but sometimes you can be right out in the suburb and that 15, 20 miles is the difference between a whole lifetime getting yeah. to the hospital that can actually care for you. So we're going to say it one more time fast. Your face, when you can't open that eye, or when you are feeling that feeling, when you know something's going on, when your arm, when you're feeling that tingling once again, when, that, when you lose that sensation in the arm, that's... A, when speech, when you cannot speak. Yes. When you cannot speak and you know what that is, it is time to call 911 and get thee to the hospital right away. Stroke. Too many people are walking around here like stroke time bombs, and it can happen to anybody. And it's yes. the leading cause of disability in this nation. Oh, my So it God. doesn't just affect the individual because now it's they've the lost family. their independence. Right. It affects the whole, whole fam family. The whole family. Um, and I don't think people, but we're not thinking of those things. So that's why it's good that we're having this conversation because it's the leading cause of disability. It's going to affect the whole family. And I don't think that we know that. We don't, we don't talk about it. And that's why we've got America's favorite nurse right here on Diva Defined, because we want you to know. Because information is, oh my God, information is everything. Because we want you to be your best use. I was talking with somebody at lunch the other day, and I had a wonderful friend. She was bright, beautiful, charming, and we were going through, you know, it's, it's so strange, but we keep the, when we lose somebody in our family circle, we keep their programs or we, we keep their announcements right by the doors so they always know in our comings and goings that we're thinking about it. Now, maybe that's just crazy in our head, but I like to them to know, look, you're still on. There's some cultures where you keep the person's picture there and you call their name so that they know you haven't forgotten them. Well, I'm, I'm just going to call her, let's just say, Kathy. Kathy was bright, beautiful, smart, great, ebullient personality. And I had taken about uh, 25 HIV infected and affected women to South Africa to meet and greet other women who were going through this so they would know they're not alone. And I was, I was on the plane and I was thinking, who will not be with us? next year when we convene again? Who won't be with us with these HIV-positive women and the, the connections that they had made? Who will not make it through the year? Chelsea got up. I called her Kathy. Got up, went to the bathroom. I fell asleep. I woke up. She hadn't come back. A clot had moved somewhere in her body into her lungs, and she died. Oh my. When they offloaded her body, I told them, I said, they said, is this your, uh, I said that it was my assistant. They said, your sister? I said, yes. And I went, got off the plane with her, because, you know, if you get sick on a plane, they're going to offload you at the nearest airport 
field, airport, and you've got a toe on your, you've got a tag, a toe tag on. So they're just putting you off. And hopefully somebody, your people will find you. Hopefully you survive. But if you, if you don't, you're in the morgue by yourself. If I could tell folks, take an aspirin before you get on the plane. Wear the compression socks. Read the pamphlets that they put on the plane that tell you to get up walk around, drink some water, do the flexes with your foot. They tell you to do all of these things. If you can do that for yourself, you just might save your life. And they, they put these things, but people don't understand why they put those things there. They put those things there because people are dying of blood clots on these planes. When her body came off, I heard the man say, oh God, another one? And I said, another wow. one? He said, lady, you don't know how many of these we get. Oh. People dying of blood clots on the plane because they're not walking around. They're not drinking their water. Why does it always go back to water? Because they're not wearing compression socks if they know something. But information will save your life. So, wow. and it's hindsight's always twenty twenty. When we look back, some of the simplest things can make a big difference yes. when it comes to our life. So um, it sounded like she had a blood clot in her leg, which we call it a deep vein thrombosis, DVT. Yes, and then it breaks off and then it moves back to, goes back towards the heart and to the lungs and it causes a pulmonary embolism. So this is what Serena Williams yes. has, you know, pulmonary embolism. She struggled that with in the past. But, you know, when you're traveling long distances, whether it's in a plane, whether it's in a car, on a bus, Plane, trains, automobiles, whatever it is. Right. You're sitting for a prolonged period of time. You cross your legs. You cross your legs. Blood is basically being stagnant because when we move, the muscles in our legs kind of squeeze. Right. And it mm. that helps move things around. Yeah. So when you're sitting and it's not doing that, blood is pooling. And then that's what predisposes you to developing these clots because the blood is pooling there. And then when you get up and move, it breaks off and it travels. So I've seen this happen. And mm. this happens very quickly. I mean, when people are coming into the emergency room, they're having chest pains, they can't breathe, and it feels like a heart attack. Yes. Once but, again, that feeling. Yes. So, but the key is, you know, prevention, obviously. Yes, so if you're true. someone who has a family history of blood clots or any type of or blood. Or if you're on birth control pills. Oh, that's a big one. And see, people don't realize that birth control pills, the, those hormones definitely yes. can increase your risk of having those. But you need to, you know, drink plenty of water so you're hydrated. Yes. Um, you know, wear the compression stockings or just kind of pump your feet every once in a while or get up Simple. on the plane. Right. Or just walk up and down the aisle on the plane. Yeah, yes. I know the seatbelt sign may not be on, but hey, yes. I'm not trying to get a blood clot, so I'm Thank exactly I'm walk. But you know, doing these little things can actually pre prevent you from having these blood clots in your legs, and then you know, breaking off and causing a pulmonary embolism. Mm -hmm. And then some people, like we'll use Serena Williams in this case, she yes. has a history of it. It's happened before, so sometimes people need to be on medications yes. for these things. So you need to take those medications. But I mean, the the bottom line is you need, and I think I've said this. I'm a, you know, beat it like a dead horse. Not that I would beat a dead horse, but <laughs> but you know, informing yourself, educating yourself, That's and right. then doing these simple things that are cost free. I mean, how much does it cost to pump your feet? How to pump your legs? You know, drink a glass of water. Right. Little to nothing versus you ignore the information, you don't change your behaviors, and then boom, That's you're right. in the hospital. But it's you. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
and people die of these Absolutely. things. They do. Oh, yeah. They definitely do. And especially with these blood clots, you don't move quickly enough, people will drop dead. People will oh. really drop dead. And I've mm. seen it, unfortunately, but, you know, we we have to get the information out there. And and especially with uh, black people, women of color, already we're predisposed to cardiovascular disease, mm. peripheral vascular disease. Yes. Those are all things that increase your risk for having these type of blood clots. That's right. So you want to do these little things to just ward that off. Absolutely. Which also goes back to, we, we keep talking about water. Water. We keep talking about the food that we're yes. eating and how certain foods can clog up your arteries. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been talking about the need to exercise. These things just keep coming up over and over because that's what you need to do. You need to pay attention to what you eat. You need to drink more water, and you do need to exercise. Now, I'm one of those people, I'm a quiet exerciser. I'll get in my shower, and I will touch my toes. I was like, um, what was that little... What was that little exercise? You know, when they would have phys ed. Remember oh, when yes. phys ed he... was really constructive and yes. your phys ed would teach, teach you, phys ed teacher would teach you, you know, um, what was it? Toes, knees, reach for the top yeah, sky, shoulder, knees, knees and toes. toes. There you go. <laughs> All of that, that stuff. Anymore. The, they it just was so the simple and it worked. That's true. You know, when they would say to you, okay, now stop, jog in place <laughs> real fast until you feel you can't breathe, then stop. I used to think they were just trying to drive me crazy. <laughs> now I realize they were trying to teach me ways to help myself. Well, yes, and because when, when we were in uh, phys ed, you know, those are our formative years, our yes. adolescent mm -hmm. years. So, you know, we're developing habits and that's the, the beginning of our lifestyle behaviors yeah. and things like that. So if you can teach someone early on, you're setting them up for success for that's when right. they're adults. And it's unfortunate that I, and I think, and I'm a mom that the phys ed programs now have kind of nothing, right? They're you know, not they teaching might, them anything really. They're no. not as physically uh, assertive that's or challenging right. in them. And then I think also just some of the, and I hate to say this, but sometimes I feel like it's just a, a wasted period, a waste of time. Like, okay, put on, suit up, go out there, walk around a little bit. Right. But that's where we as parents and, uh, yes. you know, community members need to hold people accountable because how many obese children do we have? Oh, my Heart goodness. Disease, diabetes. So if we can start this when folks are younger. Right. But that takes involved parents and involved community members yes, to say, hey, does. I want my, my nephew, my niece to be more physically active. Because I've asked myself, like, what do you, you know... What's what are you going doing on? in Right. Now, my, my son plays football, so I know that he's active, but I've he's like, well, sometimes people don't do much, Mom. They just sit on their phones. And that's another thing. How does that how do you do that? How do you just let them have a period that's supposed to be helping them yeah. learn about their bodies and their well-being? And you say just be on the phone. Right. That's right. just so not right. Right. No. It's not. And I and also think that's an especially with what we know now. I mean, yes. Cuz there's lots of information that we didn't know when we went to that's high school right. stuff. Right. That's an excellent opportunity to talk to them about heart attacks and strokes and, you know, high blood pressures or that's you know. Right. Yeah. And because, you know, they need to be informed. And sometimes you know, for themselves, but also for their parents. Cause how many, how many people end up taking care of their parents? Oh, no, my, my gosh. And when it happens, it's like, boom. Well, mama's sick. Well, like, well, what do I do? I don't know where to start. And so if we can just kind of start kids off when they're younger, we'll just have a healthier nation. I think Ooh. so. 
And that is why we are here with Nurse Alice, America's favorite nurse, and certainly the diva's favorite nurse. Hmm, don't go anywhere, because we will be back with more information for you and your health and well-being. You better be being well. Thank you. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and I want to take a moment to tell you about another podcast on the Tribune Audio Network, and you're going to love it. It's called Frank Buckley Interviews, where my friend, KTLA news anchor Frank Buckley, has intimate one-on-one conversations with newsmakers, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and more. You'll hear fascinating stories like how Sarah Blakely went from selling fax machines door-to-door to inventing Spanx. In one episode, legendary music hitmaker Jimmy Jam shares what it's like to work with icons like Janet Jackson and Prince. Prince was so singularly talented beyond anybody. And I and I and I think anybody really in history. His music was great for celebration, for for mourning, for happy times, for sad times, you name it. He he, he ran the gamut. He will be a significant part of our lives. Uh, really for for years to come. You can hear all that and more on Frank Buckley Interviews. Listen and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back. This is Diva Defined. All right, well, welcome back here. You are, what are you listening to? Okay, let me tell you. You are listening to Diva Defined with your diva, Cheryl Lee Ralph. And I am sitting here with my producer, Elise, who has brought to me America's favorite nurse, Nurse Alice. And we've been having the greatest conversations. And she is just showing to us why she is America's favorite nurse. Now, you know, nurse, I have a lot of little pet peeves. And before we leave, we have got to talk about smoking versus vaping, because it is getting to such a state where I believe vaping is more dangerous than smoking. What is going on with what people are inhaling nowadays? I'm not even talking about weed. I'm talking about vape. Right. So smoking bad Vaping, more bad. I mean, now I'll say this. With smoking, we have a lot of research. It goes way back. We know tobacco products and smoking is unhealthy. It can lead to lung cancer. It can lead to... It can lead to lip cancer. Lip cancer, oral cancer, Mm -hmm. cancers in general. So um, smoking also increases your blood pressure. It can Mm. lead to heart attacks. It can lead to strokes. All of these things. So smoking, we know, is bad for you. Now... When this whole vaping thing came up, I think the idea behind vaping and why it became FDA approved and all this is because originally people thought that, okay, this would be a good segue to get people off of smoking because there would be less nicotine in the vaping products and it would be kind of like a stepping stone to quitting smoking. Yes. But I don't, well, what happened is. What had happened was. What had happened was it opened Pandora's box. Yes. And so now vaping, it's basically a device where you can put in your product and just smoke it, you know, anywhere. I mean, and there's actually, um, what what we do know has happened is that kids Mm. have embraced this Mm. vaping. And it's definitely something that's causing a whole slew of problems. And the problem is, 
with vaping, there the filters, the filters that they have in cigarettes aren't in the vaping devices, and as well the chemicals that they're putting in the vaping devices. Yes. Well, let me just say this: you should never be inhaling any type of chemical. But now these things are—they're becoming like fruit flavored, like mango flavored. I think passion, passion fruit flavored. There are other chemicals that they're putting in their vaping devices that were never intended to be inhaled, and now they're inhaling them. So it's just a matter of time till we really find out the full effects of vaping. But we already know that it's bad because you—the body was not built to inhale those type of products. Oh, like Cheryl's like. No, it, it just, I am absolutely speechless because I see so many young people sucking on these instruments. And I, I think to myself, what are they putting in their bodies? And there's one thing that you, all young people feel. They feel invincible. That's they right. feel like it's not going to be them. They feel like, well, what is it? And then they get into these smoke competitions who can blow the biggest cloud. I'm like, oh my God, you're killing yourself for a smoke cloud. Mm -hmm. And it's not good for you. And I feel all these years where we have fought so hard against tobacco, it's almost like, no, honey, please, just smoke a cigarette, please. J just have a cigarette and stop smoking these chemicals. And it's just, it's just awful. And now it's like, this is just Cheryl. Why is everybody sucking on a weed straw? Everybody's got weed everywhere. They got weed in church. They got weed in the hospital. They got weed in the airport. It's sort of like we're going through that. I used to watch this show called Boardwalk Empire, and people were going through the changes with the alcohol and all of that. They were getting the, what do you call it, the DD, DDTs or something. I was like, oh, D D DTs. The DTs. Delirium tremens, where they like kind of withdrawing and shaking. And I was like, who the hell knew alcohol could do that <laughs> oh, to that's you? that's real. Oh, my goodness, that's so real. Do you want me to tell you? Please, go ahead, tell so, us. Okay, I know we took a sidebar with this alcohol. Sidebar, so we're sticking sidebar. a pin. Right, but I've seen people come into the emergency room that literally, if they have been without an, a drink for 24 to 72 hours, they will go into seizures. They will um, convulse violently. I mean, it's just the worst thing ever. But it's their body withdrawing from alcohol. It's very strong. And it causes heart dysrhythmias. It can cause the blood pressure to shoot up. Their temperature can be out of control. So you would never think that just... Drinking can kill you, so you're alcohol. trying to stop drinking, right. it can kill you. Right, so these are wow. for people who are alcoholics who drink every day. Oh. When they go without alcohol, they can actually that withdrawal is something fierce and can actually be life-threatening. Oh. Oh, so then yeah. how do Goodness. you stop, if you want to quit, if you're an obsessive alcoholic, how do you stop? How do you quit? You need help. You actually need to, you really do need an alcohol treatment. You do need to, to be placed on medications that can calm, calm the body down while you're going through the process of not drinking alcohol. It's very difficult. Some people are like, I'm just going to do cold turkey. And then, you know, you see it in the movies. They're in the corner rocking and shivering. And so all that stuff real. is very real. Wow. So, and I mean, that level of alcoholism, I mean, usually when you're drinking, you're not eating well. So there's vitamin deficiencies. And again, this impacts the heart, blood pressure. I mean, so many things. They're throwing up all the time. 
I mean, literally, if someone's truly going through withdrawal from alcohol, it can be life-threatening, and you really should go seek help. Don't ever really just try to do cold turkey by yourself without letting someone know. Wow. So I know we took a side note, but I had to mention that. But once again, that's about that brings us back to balance. Once you try, once you do too much of something, you get off balance, you end up in trouble. You're smoking too much of whatever, you end up off balance. You've got that coughing. I know some people that cough all the time, and they will never stop smoking anything. They're going to keep right on smoking everything. And I, I just think to myself, wow, when, when do you put yourself first? When what? But you know, now that I'm thinking about that, when you get off balance like that, is it because you're trying to find balance or because you're hurt or because things aren't well overall? It's all of those things. Mm. It's all of those things. Because so when you've introduced a habit, so let's take smoking, for example. You've been smoking a couple of cigarettes every day for years. Your body becomes accustomed to that. So it's causing harmful things and changes in your bodies, right? And like you say, like that hacking cough and you know, lots of sputum and all those things. You don't like those things, so you're like, I'm going to stop. But when you do stop, the body's like, hold on. This is what I'm used to. Why are you trying to switch up the program? And it causes, it, it gives you side effects that say, you know what, I don't want this change. So it's really, it can be difficult. It can be very difficult. So smoking, when, when it comes to quitting smoking, you know, I think some people say, well, just quit. It's just a mindset. That is part of it. But then that nicotine and those chemicals, um, your body becomes dependent on them and it makes it difficult to stop. And so with the smoking, you know, the coughing that you said your friend was having, some, many people will say, I was coughing, I couldn't breathe, I need a breathing treatment. And their breathing treatment is the cigarette. Because mm. these cigarettes are designed to actually, although they cause a lot of problems, it's almost like a Lay's potato chips, can't have just one. It's hard <laughs> to get off of it because when the person who smokes all the time does have that cigarette, it does kind of temporarily open up the airways and make things make them feel a little bit better in that moment. So it's hard to get off of. And now, it's, now and that's why uh, mindset is a powerful thing, and some people are able to just do it on their own. But for people who struggle with it, there's you know counseling, there's medications, there's other treatments that can help you get off of cigarettes. What about those patches that people wear to get off of tobacco? Right. So those patches, those are nicotine patches. So the nicotine that's in your cigarette. They put that on a transdermal patch, and it, it's slow release. Now, this is the thing, though, and I think this is where many people, why many people aren't successful. You have to be honest with how much you smoke because those nicotine patches come in doses. And if you're smoking a lot, like a pack or two packs a day, you need to really say that because then we need to make sure we put enough nicotine patches on you to feed that hunger that you have, your body has for nicotine. And the where people mess up, and I'll say, health, well, healthcare professionals sometimes get it wrong, is we don't start on a high enough dose. Because um, oh, our mantra is start low, low go slow. Yes, but the thing is, if somebody, up. yes, but the thing is, if somebody's already accustomed to high levels of nicotine, why are we going to start here on the bottom? We're right. going to make it uncomfortable for, for them. They're not yes. going to want to hear, and they're going to quit. Right. So that's where you have to have really a good conversation with your healthcare provider. And if you're not feeling like you're getting the treatment you need, then maybe you need a new doctor. Uh, oh, thank you. I'm if you saying. are not getting the treatment that you feel you need, maybe you need a new doctor. If your doctor is watching the clock when you are there, you might need a new 
doctor. Get yourself the health, the care that you deserve. We're saying it here. Be your own advocate. Please get informed. Educate yourself. I mean, we laugh about it, but we have these phones. Google something sometimes. Don't be afraid to learn something that just might save your life. You really matter. Your life really matters. Your being here really matters. Plus, I need you to watch more episodes of Diva Defined with me, your diva, Cheryl Lee Ralph. And do not think that I am perfect and have it all together because you see how I have the best people here to help educate you. Trust me, I am also educating myself. And do not laugh when we are in the gym working out and you see me. Uh-huh. You know, I got mother's got to keep it tight and right. Yes. You know, my second husband. Yeah, he likes it. So, you know, I got to keep it together. Thank you. <laughs> well, you keep it together. Really Thank you, well. my dear. Thank really you. Well. Thank you. Sometimes, you know, when you get a little bit more jiggle down there, you're like, I can feel it. And it's like, oh, no, that cannot stay here. And I don't know if it's true or not. But if I get too much fat on my midsection, it burns. I think fat burns. And fat burns for a reason, because you need to burn it off. (laughs) Thank you. And you don't always have to go and get plastic surgery. Everybody's getting so hooked on this plastic surgery. They want to freeze it off. They want to suck it out. They want to laser it off. They want to, what is that thing where you get the... The, the uh, no, 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 the fr- high frequency melting oh, yeah. the fat. I mean, there's, there's so much going on where if you really just took better care, and I'm afraid now, I'm afraid to like go under, I'm afraid of anesthesia. I have some stories yeah. about anesthesia. Well, whenever, so, so what you're describing, so people want a quick, fast uh, solution to getting right and getting tight, yes. right? They want. You know, want this nip, this tuck, this poked out a little bit more. And there's no quick way to kind of get that. Or sometimes it's really not achievable. Right. God made you perfect the way that you are. That's the truth. Right. So, but those surgeries and those procedures do come with potential complications and even death. And another thing is they're really expensive. And because they're expensive, people are shopping for the best prices and they're mm-hmm. even going out of the country to have these procedures done. Cosmetic so, surgery West, tourism. Yes. Mm-hmm. Medical yeah. tourism. And, you know, in the news not that long ago, there was a woman who, lived in, who lived in Beautiful Texas. Beautiful young girl. She, hello. I was like, you looked fine the way right. you are. I was like, but, what did you think they were going to, what more were they going to do for you with your beautiful face? Well, Beyonce said pretty hurts because it's not, it's the soul that needs the surgery. Oh. So, but the thing is, she went to... Uh, Mexico, Mexico to have a surgery done and in other states like that I mean yes it may be cheaper but for a reason because perhaps they don't have the accreditation the supplies the trained staff the facilities the backup plan right. to take care of you backup plan is important so that right. was the case in her situation so her surgery went was going bad and you know it was in a clinic that didn't have the supplies that didn't even look like a clinic no it looked like a bad Corner grocery store. <laughs> right. And by the time they got her to the hospital, she, her brain had been with oxygen oh, for so long. God. She suffered permanent brain damage and was brain dead. And so basically then the family was faced with the decision of, you know, what, you know, taking her off of life support. But all of that stemmed from a beautiful young woman 
who felt like she needed to correct her body when she was already amazing and beautiful as it is. So, and that bothered me so much when I heard that story because she was, she wasn't, it wasn't like she was just cute. She was a beautiful young woman. When we saw those pictures, although sometimes she was you already go on Instagram, baby, you never know. They do that face tune and they like, ooh, smooth it out. Then, oh no, let's smooth it some more. Then, you know, in face tune, what do they have it? Is it refine or redefine or re something? You make it tinier. So you never know what people look like. <laughs> and I don't care what anybody says, makeup is a beast, baby. Mm -hmm. Because some people take off that makeup and you're like, ah! a different person. It's like, oh! <laughs> That what was that 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 man in Japan that or China that sued his wife because oh, yeah. he married the face that he fell in love with and then he went on vacation and she washed it off. He went to bed with one woman, woke, woke up, up with, with another. another. <laughs> so you never know what you're gonna get, baby. But I, I'm just saying, you know, you got to love yourself. You, you got to love what you've got. You really, really do, and you've got to take care of it. I'm your diva, Define. That is producer Elise. This is America's favorite nurse, Nurse Alice, and she is just full of wisdom and knowledge when it comes to your health and well-being. And we cannot say it enough. You got to love yourself. You've got to be a little bit selfish and love yourself better than you love a whole lot of other people. Because if you're not around to take care of other people, if you're not around to take care of your family, it's because you didn't take care of yourself. So we really need you to take care of you. Be a little selfish. Put you first. Do what you need to do for yourself. That means if you're smoking a pack, try smoking half a pack. We're not trying to get you to stop overnight. We want you to do what you need to do. If you're not exercising and you know you just need a little exercise, come on. Start with that 15 minutes. You know you can do it. And you know how good you're going to look. You know how good you're going to feel. And trust me, if you're trying to lose 50 pounds, it ain't going to happen overnight. So don't, don't, don't even force yourself that way. Give yourself a plan. Give yourself a year. Like what, five pounds a month? Okay, even better than that, one pound a week. Just lose a pound a week. Try and stick to it. Going to drink your water? I have an app on my phone. You got to pay attention to the app, though. You got to do the work. Got to put it in there. What are you drinking? Got to pay attention. Got to look in the mirror and love yourself a little bit more. You know what I do when I wake up in the morning? I look at the mirror and I say, you are a pretty bitch. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Yes, we all should I do that. Yes. I, we, we should do that. Yes. Everybody, that should be everybody's homework. Thank to, you. So say it again, Cheryl, what are we going to do? You're going to look in the mirror okay. and you're going to say to yourself, I'm a pretty bitch. Yes, I am. I'm okay, if you don't, a problem. <laughs> and if you don't like the word bitch, you can say, "Ooh, I'm so fabulous." Ha ha! You must have the ha ha because the ha ha makes it hit home. Yes, try it. Ha ha! Ooh, I'm so wonderful. Go ahead, ladies, try it. Come on, nurse. Ha ha! ha, -ha. <laughs> Why are you being so shy about it? You cannot <laughs> be no. shy about loving yourself. You Baby cannot steps. be shy. I love myself. Come on. I love. I am fabulous. I am fierce. Come uh -huh. on. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> How about you, Lisa? You fabulous. Uh -huh. <laughs> and everybody I'm else I'm learning from do. the diva. I'm learning from the diva. Mm -hmm. You got to be good to yourself. 
you know, I find out the better I am to myself, the better I can be to everybody else. Absolutely. Right. You know what? The one thing that unhappy people are really, really good at, they're good at making everybody else unhappy. Oh, misery loves. She said a word. When we, and it's like when people get sick in their soul, they're real good at trying to spread that sickness into other people's souls. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the weight you need to lose is not just on you, but sometimes <gasps> around you. But I'm just saying. No, but that is the truth. It is. We think that we've got to carry everybody with us. No, you don't. Some people you need to just, what? Drop kick to the curb. Yes. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. You cannot be in my space any longer. And if they have a problem with that, you just have to be sometimes be quiet and just move in another direction. And why are we afraid to do those kind of things? Why do we think we have to carry everybody's luggage? What was that song that Erica Badu had? Bag lady, <laughs> Lee. Yeah. What is it? What was it? You gonna miss your bus. Yes, thank you, go on, girl. Yes. Dragging all those bags like that. Thank you. <laughs> and we got to drag everybody's bags and our own. I'm like, you know what? I can't carry on with that anymore. I cannot. And you know what? We spend too much time to, trying to fix other people. Fix yourself. It's tiring. It's so tiring. I don't tiring. have the energy for, for all that. No. I barely have the energy for myself, and that's where you now. need to start. It's like when the oxygen mask come on. Put your own oxygen mask put on first. Put your own mask on first. Then we'll, then, I'm sorry, I'm going to put your mask somebody on else. mine. Right. But it's you got to take care of yourself. Right. But, you know, and I'll say this, as women, as mothers, as, you know, usually the head of the household, we're so busy taking care of everybody else, we mm -hmm. often put ourselves last, and we just can't do that anymore. We, we really just can't. cannot. Cannot. You heard it mm -hmm. right here Hello. on Diva Define. I'm Cheryl Lee Ralph. That is producer Elise. That is Nurse Alice. And we are what? We are helping you become more diva. It means divinely inspired, victoriously alive, awesome, aware. And if it was Sunday, we'd be anointed. Hallelujah. So listen, claim your diva. Diva. Claim your diva. Just claim it. Put your chest up high. Go on and take life as it comes to you. Roll with those punches. And you got to pick your fights wisely because you don't have to fight every fight. You don't have to carry everybody's weight. You don't have to do a lot of things you're doing. Just do you, boo, better. I know I am. What about you? Thank you. Thank you. I have enjoyed this conversation, and now I got to do more for me. Why? Because I'm going to be here with you. And the better I am to myself, the better I can be for you. What do I do? This is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and I just want to say thank you because no diva does it all alone. My glam squad, Julius Nash, Rebecca De Herrera, makeup by Mila and Fessa New, stylist Ivy Coco Maurice, production by Adrian Huerta, producer Elise, executive producer Marcus Smith, VP of contact Jason Ball, and security provided by my dog Theo. This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.